0: And now blockers in front, lowers the shoulder and in! Throws on the run, touchdown! Unbelievable! And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up for What podcast. We're talking Texans straight from the Great British Isles. We hope you've recovered from the draft. We've got a guest with us this week to try and talk through some of the last. Three days uh, as the draft unfolded in your living room, not in Vegas as it was intended to be. And we've got a Houston Texans draft. Uh, Dylan, how you doing, mate?
1: I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, yeah, no, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us as well. And uh, congratulations on the news as well. Joining up with James and the Texans Unfiltered guys to help them out as well. Yeah, I'm excited about that. It's a great opportunity. Yeah, good, guys. James has been on quite a few times with us, so... Um, it's uh it's uh, yeah, it's good, good uh, good to see the sort of everybody kind of uh, coming together because I think myself and James have talked about that a few times about the, and as the as him and John have on their podcast about the sort of quality information and stuff like that. It's not always quite there, I think. So uh, now it's good to good to see people with something to say and contribute. So um, yeah, with the drafts in the books, uh, how did you, how well, what did you make of it? Well, first it being just a digital slash virtual draft in your living room. what did you think of the whole sort of thing and how it panned out
1: i think it it, it went as well as it could have i, I didn't i I, th- I actually personally liked it seeing it in all the all the coaches homes all the players homes it was pretty cool i liked it a lot uh uh i wouldn't i wouldn't be opposed to seeing it again at some point in the future hopefully we don't have to ever do it again hopefully we never have a, another pandemic but i thought it went as well as it could have i didn't I didn't have any problems with it I actually liked it a little bit better not maybe not better but uh I liked it I liked it okay it wasn't bad at all for me
0: there's probably quite a good um test case there to um for the supplemental draft particularly if guys aren't going to be able to you know like you know are going to graduate early um and there might be there might be a bigger um raft of draft of uh, seniors um that want to that want to test the the supplemental draft particularly if the season at college at college is limited and particularly if the guys have not got the got the off-season program that they would normally it might be in their best interest to go through the supplemental so it could be something that they try there um because you know i think the nfl is always looking to make it a you know a 12-month sport so that's probably another way they yeah. can do it but
1: yeah yeah yeah, it will be interesting to see how many players do end up uh, end up joining the supplemental draft in uh, in the future. Because yeah, this college football season they're talking about moving into the spring possibly, which could mess up a lot of things with the draft. So a lot of players, a lot of seniors might be entering the supplemental draft uh, this coming summer. So it'll be interesting to see how many players actually do enter.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think it was it was a it was strange the coverage I thought because the. It was Goodell's not really got much personality um, trying to announce <laughs> yeah. the picks. Uh, you know, and you think a lot of guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's probably the least charismatic person I've ever seen in my life. It's actually crazy how boring he
0: is. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, a lot of guys that get to that level of business, you know, they've, they've got that, you know, they're either, you know, ruthlessly efficient or ruthlessly clever yeah. and that doesn't always yeah. necessarily come across much in personality and you know the guys, there was at 30 million a year and I remember when I learned how much he made I was astounded I was like he's making like 40 million a year it's like
1: good god he's making more than every single player in the league it's just like ridiculous
0: yeah and I think he gets I think part of his deal as well he gets so many uh, private jets as well or something around yeah so yeah. Um, to go to all the games so yeah it's a good deal yeah but uh, yeah, it was interesting to see because I mean it wasn't exactly a thirty million uh, dollar basement. other than he was in, but <laughs> but um, yeah. it did the it did the job. Um, and he was I think he was okay. I think it was quite interesting. I thought the coverage was pretty poor though when it was you know they were talking about
1: yeah. And the fact they kept tel- they kept telling us what sports their families played even before they even broke down the player's film. It's just like no one cares. Like I don't care about that. Just sh- tell me what the player is and like. Uh, what he can do on the football field I don't care if his mom played basketball for southeast Louisiana so it's just like it, it that was the most annoying part of the draft for me and of course the sob stories they kept telling seemed like half of the first round had a, had a family member die and they said it even before they said anything about the player so it was pretty bad and I've never been the biggest Trey Wingo fan so I
0: didn't like it I didn't like it that much but you know it's whatever yeah, I remember I, I went for one of my first interviews when I left college and that was one of the first questions they asked me in an interview about like, have you ever had something tragic happen to you? And I just, and I answered it. <laughs> but I always thought if somebody ever asked me that again, I'd probably just not answer it because like, yeah. you know, you think all oh, these guys have worked their entire life and all they want to bring up is, you know, is some, some, you know, some of the mild afflictions on people, you know, people's mother. I just thought like, yeah. And, and there was a complete distinct lack of, of, Description of the play call, and I thought Booger McFarlane got some of his like, descriptions and, and analysis of players completely different to some of the stuff I'd read. I thought that was quite fun, but I mean that's traditional for him now to to uh, yeah. to kind of say something that's not relevant to what's going on. But yeah, I mean overall it was it was all right. Um, any night one shocks for you? Obviously, with the Texans, were rumored to be trading up, and nervously watched it right to the last pick. Yeah, uh, thankfully we didn't.
1: Thankfully, yes, indeed. But uh yeah I thought AJ Terrell was a big shock in the first round. I thought he was definitely a mid second round player and after after that uh after what he what he did in the national championship game a lot of people were low on him and I I see where the Falcons are coming from. He has a lot of potential, but I there's a, I feel like every year there's always a corner that goes higher than um higher than anticipated like every single year. So I think AJ Terrell is that guy. It was, it was kind of a head scratcher. I thought there was a lot of, a lot of better options out there and I think Terrell's going to be a nice corner, but I I think he might end up being not worth a first round pick. So that was a reach, along with Jordan Brooks. Uh, when Patrick Queen, when Patrick Queen was right there, like I don't I don't know how you can justify picking Jordan Brooks over Patrick Queen, but the Seahawks are notorious for uh, reaching on first rounders. So uh, those were a couple of the guys that I thought were a little surprising that ended up sneaking in the first round. So, but you always have a few few of those guys. Uh, in each draft. So it was pretty interesting to see who did end up sinking in the first round considering we, we didn't know what, what the league actually view, how the league actually viewed these players considering so much of the pre-draft process was different. So it was pretty, pretty interesting to see which players ended up sinking in the first round.
0: Yeah. The two, two that I got right, um, in terms of ones that I predicted, uh, that was with Vegas anyway, was, um, Andrew Thomas to go in top 5 uh, and CJ and oh. CJ Henderson to go top 10.
1: Oh yeah. CJ Henderson felt like the most Jags pick ever. I don't know how to explain it, but he just felt like he was meant to play for the Jags. Like they just liked like the Jags are always picking the Jags always reach a little bit on these players and you know sometimes it works out for them, sometimes it doesn't.
0: Thought Andrew Thomas was an interesting pick to go with because it seemed like it was between him and Jedrick Willis who'd be the safest guy to go. Um, yeah. And then you think like the Jets take Mackie Becton who could be could be an all pro or could be terrible. So you just you just never quite yeah. know. And then and then Henry Ruggs first receiver off the board as well. What do you make of that?
1: Oh, that was that that was a pretty big surprise. But um, considering. The, I, considering the Raiders got Brian Edwards later in the drafts I thought Henry Ruggs was a decent pick there considering like the league is going towards like speedy receivers they want receivers who can take the top off the defense and and getting Brian Edwards as their possession receiver who's a really good route runner all, all it ended up being a pretty good draft for them they got a lot of uh, receiver help which they desperately needed but uh, Henry Ruggs, uh, off the first off the board, was surprising, but I wasn't completely shocked. Uh, uh, like I said, we really didn't know how the league viewed all these players. So, Henry Ruggs very well could have been the number one receiver on a lot of teams' boards. So, it was interesting to see for sure.
0: Yeah, and the Cowboys as well, I think just sitting there, um, CD Lamb falsed them. I bet they probably couldn't quite believe, believe their luck. Yeah. I think they thought he would be long gone.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh yeah uh it's one of those picks where like they didn't they didn't need a wide receiver but you can't pass up on the value. so that would be interesting to see how their offense performs and they got CD lamb pairing him with Amari Cooper. so we'll have to see uh they don't really have a speedy wide receiver though, so that would be interesting to see I guess Amari cooper has some pretty top has some decent top end speed, but we'll have to see how their offense pans out. They still haven't paid Dak, so that would be interesting.
0: Yeah, well, that's it. I think you you thought they might have gone another way, but then yeah, I think. And then a guy who at the time it was called out, but I think I've seen from some of the stuff you put on Twitter, Damon Arnett, you're quite high on. Yeah, I was pretty high on Damon
1: Arnett. So
0: I think the Raiders got
1: a steal. Like I can't really call it steal because he was projected to go in the mid second round, but the Raiders did definitely get a good player for sure. He's going to be a super physical corner. He's going to be a, he's going to be a pretty solid corner in the league for years. I I think so. I don't I don't think he's going to bust like a lot of people might think he if you like a lot he tested pretty poorly but if you look at the tape he's he's just a really talented corner and only concern only concern with me is he had some off-field issues he almost quit football and um and he's pretty old he's already 24 so that's the only concerns but he's going to be a pretty solid player i think
0: yeah and it was interesting from a texas point of view obviously just you know universally criticized for giving away these picks if we'd stuck at twenty six, and and tackle was still very much the need, you know, or somewhere on the offensive line, that it could yeah. well have been. If we'd have stuck at twenty six, only Isaiah Wilson's left there goes to Tennessee, and, and then,
1: mark, yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And then the fifty seventh overall pick, we probably would have had the op- op- you know the option between Van Jefferson or Denzel Mims if we went wide receiver at that spot. Yeah, and that's not exact and. That's not really
1: exactly what uh, O'Brien seems to want. He wants he, he seems to want receivers that that can run, and that seems to be the the theme. So I'm really excited uh, for the new offensive scheme, especially with uh, Tim Kelly calling the plays now. So I'm excited, for sure.
0: Yeah, I think so, because, I mean, you know, there was criticized, but then actually, if you look at it, you know, as we go into this year, and obviously the... The, the, the fear is it's not year one or year two of these trades, it's year three, four, and five. That potentially that's when it starts to, to come back to haunt you a bit. But, you know, based on that, it doesn't look like O'Brien's got it too badly wrong on the fact no. that he could have had, you know, okay, maybe Denzel Mims has got a bit more speed than Jefferson, quite a ref, refined route runner, but guys from Baylor tend to go overlooked. Maybe the Jets got some value there. Uh, but we certainly wouldn't have had any options at tackle. And, you know, and you, and you never know what would have happened last year without Tunso. So, that all being yes. said, it seemed like you know the moves he made, albeit we looked limited and we didn't have many you know shots at the dart you know many darts to throw. But I, th- I think overall, when you put when you factor that, in it does it, it kind of makes you feel a bit more confident about this roster.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't see how you can criticize the tons of tons of at all at this point. We would have we wouldn't have been in the range for a top tier tackle, and last season we w- our offensive line wouldn't have been much better than it was the previous couple years. And with Deshaun getting absolutely punished uh and 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 keep in mind we also got Kenny Stills which could be our first round pick next year uh like that that could be like what our first round pick would have been Kenny Stills and i think uh i think we're going to be picking late again and you'd be probably pretty hard pressed to find a a receiver that is better than Kenny Stills that late in the first round i mean i bet he could produce similar production but Kenny Stills is pretty pretty solid player so i I don't see how you can hate on the Tunzel deal at all considering you got your franchise left tackle for years to come and you protect, you're protecting your franchise quarterback, which is the most important thing. So there's, there, there's no criticism I can give of this
0: Tunzel deal. I mean, I, I, I see nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, like I think he's obviously, he's been paid this week, uh, 22 million a year and new money. I think he's playing this season on his fifth year option. So, works in the yeah. range of nine, 19 million a year. Um, you know, I, I think people kind of balked at the deal. I think he did his press conference yesterday, he talked about how he, what to, you know, be able to, he said test the market for agency, but what I think he meant is renegotiate his deal. Um, yeah. And and get paid because I think, and you saw, you know, and Hopkins was the best example of that. You know, the first three years is kind of real money, if you like. And the back end of the year it was the same with Dwayne Brown. It was all paper money and the player gets, the player gets unhappy. So, if a three-year deal is the way and people want to, you know, in all respect him for um, negotiating his own deal, I think that was a good, uh, a good move, I think a good move by him. I mean, like he think he saves the agent cut, you know, gives a fee and then any any deal that's over 10 million a, uh, APY um, is ratified by the Players Union's legal team. So, it's, you know, it seems potentially a, a trend he might start there.
1: Yeah, I, I tweeted about this yesterday. I think the player, the NFLPA should, 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 should start to educate players on how to no- negotiate contracts for themselves because agents are just piggybacking off so many players and all all across sports and 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 like Tunzel said, only the it's Tunzel said it's pretty easy to negotiate terms. The only thing that the agents really offer is the terminology. So, like understanding the terminology. So if they just teach them that and teach them how to negotiate, I think we can cut out agents uh, for the most part. I mean, agents will still be necessary to get their players' names out there for lower-tier guys, like, we're looking for another deal. But uh, I think for the top-tier guys, if they have the ability to negotiate their own contracts and cut out the agent, it will be really beneficial for the rest of the league as well.
0: Yeah, and then I think, so, as 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 night one, um, night one finished, didn't think, you know, luckily for us, O'Brien didn't... Uh, didn't make any trades. Um, it yeah. was rumoured he was. Whether that's true or not, you never know what kind of hype is. I mean, obviously, everybody's calling every team, you know, yeah. to sound out any possibilities. That's nothing new. Yeah. Um, didn't make any trades. So, as you get up, get ready for day two, who were you hoping for at that point?
1: Uh, I was I was obviously hoping for Grand delpit especially since uh, Gibson it came out even before the draft that Gibson might be gone. Delta would have been a great pick. AJ Fernandez would would also been a great pick. Uh, uh, and I was also hoping for uh, Neville Gallimore, uh, but I'm glad we ended up didn't take we didn't end up taking him. I'm glad about that. He's kind of a kind of not what we needed on the interior defensive line, but yeah, uh, those were a few of those guys I was looking at. Uh, Zach Bond would have been a decent pick, but I'm pretty happy where we went. So it's. Uh, all those players are—they're going to be good players, but uh, I'm not really, with the exception of Delpit. Considering we cut Gibson, I'm not really upset we missed
0: out on any of them. Considering mm. who we got. So, yeah. yeah, so Delpit goes four picks later to the Browns. Yeah. It's sixty, and then you did think, and I did wonder that before the draft because you, you listened to the the O'Brien presser. He talked about potentially. Go in safety. It kinda of seemed an odd need, but I, I I I've been talking about this on this show and writing about it that I thought the the drop in play at safety was big for this team last year when they didn't replace Ty Matthew or um or Kareem Jackson when he went to Denver. Yeah. And that hurt the pass defence. Now nothing hurt the pass defence more than the lack of pass rush. So you can act so. With that being said, I kind of get the Blacklock move because I think they didn't have much option but to go front seven with at least multiple picks. Um, Blacklock, as a player in isolation, um, what do you think? I mean, I I saw him in top 20s of player rankings now. They're all subjective and it doesn't really encounter our team's needs and fit and stuff like that. But at 40, do you think that was reasonable value for the Texans?
1: It, it was a great value pick. I saw him. I saw him all over the place. I saw him in the top 20. I saw him in the fort. I saw him in the 30s. I didn't see him like really in 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 rankings and big boards. I didn't see him uh, past the 40 range. So we got a great value for that pick, and I think it filled a great need. He's gonna start. Uh, he's. I, I believe he starts day one on the opposite end of uh, JJ, and I think he's gonna be. He's gonna be disruptive in the in the run game from day one and he has a lot of pass rush potential due to his athleticism he's got great bend when he's uh in in run support and and pass rush so I think he has a lot of pass rush potential that he's gonna to continue to develop but day one he's gonna help in the run game and I think he's he's a guy that they can move all over the defensive line he can start he can uh he can start a play over 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 center and uh uh, stuff the run on passing downs. You can bring in Jernigan and have Blacklock on the right side and rushing the passer and disrupting disrupting that way. So I think he's a versatile guy that that he seemed to be Bill O'Brien's guy uh, throughout the whole draft process. So not surprised he was picked there. Pretty happy with the pick. I think he's going to be a great player day one, and he's gonna he's just going to continue to develop. He's got great potential.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, obviously there's some unknowns, with but- uh, Weaver taking the headset uh, and what sort of quite exactly what scheme he'd run, but with that pick and then the next pick will come on to it. Kind of seem like they're not necessarily that in love with a base three four. Not not, not that they have been because they've not really run that. And you know Nicklin dime is you know sixty percent plus now. Um, but you think he could if if they were to stick with the three four, you you think he's got enough to hold up as a in an odd front at defensive end. Yeah, I think yeah he's 290,
1: uh, enough size to definitely hold up uh, uh, on bookend with JJ Watt. So I think that's gonna be his his position on this team with Jernigan and Dunn uh, uh, rotating in at nose tackle, and he can even run some nose tackle as well if if they want to put him there. But yeah, I think he's uh, he's gonna be a great player uh, off the opposite opposite end of Watt. Like I said, uh, stuffing the run at first with a lot of potential to become
0: a become a decent pass rusher. I think that's from everything ever that I've read and, and seen subsequently since the pick, I think that the the overall sentiment seems to be that for a guy of the size, there's good lateral quickness. He's got a good. He's quite twitched up in the trenches. Still needs to maybe improve some of his hand hand fighting. But a couple of things that I saw, and I even noticed just on some of the highlights, that he needs to be able to finish. Um, when he gets the chance in the backfield, because it looks like that part of his game probably still needs a bit of coaching.
1: Yeah, and he's super strong. Uh, he's super strong. So I think the hand usage is more technique. He's gonna have like once he gets coached up by some NFL coaches, he's gonna have some heavy hands because he's he's super strong. He he's got a great burst off the snap, just gaining leverage on offensive linemen. He's like I honest when I watched this tape, I saw so many times just him like bursting off the line and just overpowering offensive linemen especially when he was lined up over center which isn't necessarily what I believe to be his best position but like when he gets when he gets off the line and 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 he's he's working on tackles and and I think he's going to be a, a great player with using the hands when he gets coached up by NFL coaches so and I think a lot of his shortcomings are technique and are fixable so I think it's 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 a great it's a great pick at 40 in my opinion
0: yeah, it seemed at the time positive. I think it was one of those picks that you kind of almost saw it happen even the day before it happened because there was, yeah. all, you know, and you've seen from O'Brien's comment subsequently that they were only going to pick guys that were going to be able to come in, show a level of maturity, quick pick up playbooks and, and the culture in a, in a in a way that they would expect, you know, from the better. And you see all these guys that go into O'Brien's doghouse and I think he, yeah. to, to that point, and that you know, and that might be one of the best ever moves you could make as a franchise is we're only gonna bring guys in that have you know, they've looked them in the eyes and said, you know, this guy can be a Houston Texan. If that's the case, then you've got to think the rest of these picks could be more successful. And it just it just so happens that the the macro environment that we're in have forced them have forced them into it.
1: Yeah, uh, I think yeah, Blacklock's definitely a guy that seems like he can come in and contribute day one. So I think the Texans especially with O'Brien uh, with his comments about rookies having a steeper learning curve uh, with no offseason programs due to the virus. I think they were putting an emphasis on guys that can come in and contribute day one and help the football team day one, uh, especially for positions of need like defensive line and edge rusher. So I think Blacklock's a guy that's, he's got a high floor for sure in the run game, but he's also got a high ceiling. So I think they fell in love with all that. And I think he's going to be, he's going to be a really good player for us for sure.
0: Yeah, that's good. I think it's been a long time, I think since we've invested in, in that position. Um, So it was a bit overdue in many ways. So hopefully he can, he can find his feet uh, regardless, you know, whatever off season we might have um, and lead into the, to the regular season. Um, after they took that pick, um, a guy I really liked, and I've seen you message about as well, Jordan Elliott goes two picks before at Cleveland. Um, yeah. The obviously the safety Julian Blackman goes to the Colts. So I thought I know there was also talk of Terrell Lewis as well, and he said openly in an interview that the Texans were were high on him. So you kind of thought he might have been. And then he went, um, and then I know I know I talked about it on this podcast uh about Jonathan Jonathan Greenard. Uh, I know I've um, seen various kind of people talk about talk about him um, and just the kind of impact he had in at Florida. Did you think at that point that was the best player available?
1: Yeah. uh Well, I I can't really remember who was available, but I wasn't certainly mad at the pick. It is it was a position of need, and for the Texans to go def- interior defensive line then edge rusher, um the first two picks, it was certainly refreshing that they knew what their needs were and they knew what would help the defense day one, especially with Greenard and Blacklock being such high-floor guys. They can definitely help day one. But I fully believe Terrell Lewis definitely was the pick that O'Brien was going to make if if he was there. So I'm, I'm pretty glad that the Rams ended up taking him. But yeah, Greenard was a is going to be a really solid player. I think he's he's one of those pass rushers that, they just, he just knows how to get to the quarterback. He's good at everything, not great at one thing, but he's still going to be a solid, productive pass rusher, especially with uh, Merciless taking up a lot of attention, Watt taking up a lot of attention. And I think he's going he's gonna to get a lot of one and, 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 uh, on ones. And an honest tape it showed that he, he was a pretty good one on one pass rusher. I think he, uh, he's another guy that's a lot of his flaws are coachable. So. I think he's going to be a guy that gets when he gets coached up by NFL coaches, a lot of his flaws are going to get going to get fixed. Which uh, hand usage was another question of him. So I think he's got a, he's got a, a a really good a really solid base to work with, and I think he's going to be a pretty good player for us. And I think he has the chance to start day one uh, if he beats out Scarlet for his for his role. Uh, I think Bill O'Brien said he was born to play the role Scarlet Scarlet roles. Scarlett plays, and he he he's a Mike linebacker to his core. So that that really showed that they probably they probably uh, intend to get him to be the starter, uh, whether it's day one or whether it's at some point in the season. So that's really exciting. Scarlett, Scarlett's a solid player, solid depth player, solid special teams piece. But uh, to have, have a true starter at
0: that position will be beneficial for the defense for sure. Yeah, you got to think he's going to be an upgrade. Hopefully, he can come in. It, look, it looks like anyway, just from some of the tape that, uh, and he, I think he broke his, his hand or his wrist the previous year, yeah. so he's he looks a bit hesitant at some at the point of attack at times. So hopefully that can be coached up. But overall, he looks a good you know a, a versatile player, but with no real kind of weaknesses in in as well from just from reading about him that he, he production's a big thing um, for him. You know in sacks, TFLs. Force fumbles, you know there was countless, countless highlight package of them of knocking the ball loose. You know, and certain players have just got a knack for that to punch the ball. Yeah, um, yeah. you know that Peanut Tillman was was yeah. one that used to always find a way to knock the, to knock the ball uh, out of the opposition's hands. So yeah, I think like the guy like that that can get around the ball, and make things happen, pick them up in the third round, and potentially come in uh, whether you know whatever like linebacker position. Um, than, it, than it might be. You got to think. I I had him down potentially as playing at the Jack, um, and and as you said, I think yeah Scarlett. I, I think he's been a good good player for this team. But you can see in last year he get, he, he kept getting caught inside, not setting the edge correctly. And I think that's partly because it's the just his frame and playing strength. I think he's one of those guys that's a special teams player. So it seems like an upgrade over you know if those two guys can come in and be part of the rotation, and then he, and you like to think as well they're quite a compliment to, you know, Amenahu or, um, Jacob Martin. I think they've got to be, they've got to be compliments because they're they're all quite, they're all three different type of players, but can all rush the, I've shown certainly they can rush the passer.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think our defensive line is in, is in
0: great shape after what we did
1: in the draft. And Amenahu is going to continue to develop. and and I just, and uh, our edge rushers, we, uh, we, yeah, we've got great depth there now with Merciless, uh, Jacob Martin, and obviously Duke, Duke Edgiford coming back from Achilles. We'll see how he how he performs. But yeah, I, I think we've got great depth there now, especially with Grenard coming in and providing, I think he's going to provide a lot of value day one. So I'm pretty excited about our pass rush. Oh, Jacob Martin continuing to develop as well. Hopefully he gets better against the run so he can see the field more. But I think if he doesn't, he's still going to uh, take an up and, up and snaps on passing downs and especially since Scarlett's probably going to take take a lesser role. So I think that leaves more snaps for Martin. And I, I think our pass rush is definitely going to improve from next year with the picks of Blacklock and Grenard. Uh, hopefully Blacklock can, continues to develop as a pass rusher. But, yeah, we've got a lot of potential on the defensive line, especially in the front seven. So I'm excited for sure about, about what they did and who they brought in and what our pass rush is going to be the, this coming season.
0: So before the before the Greenard pick, or I think potentially after the Greenard pick, uh, Teapot as he was called, in New England Bill lets his temper. I uh, get the better of him on live television, uh, and uh, it looked like his son had uh, seen that drill a hundred times over. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, like <laughs> and it was it was one of those ones and you, you just knew he was going to do something, didn't you? And uh, and luckily it was just that and he sort of brushed it off as he was just messing around it looked like he said well that's your pick Jack you know what the fuck's happened to the trade or something along those lines Um, it was rumoured to be Detroit I think it was Detroit obviously everybody's going to deny it and they brush it under the carpet because they've all got a vested interest in keeping each other's public persona uh, clean Um, but it looked like they were trying to trade back into the next round uh, with Detroit
1: yeah, I yeah, and I don't think uh, necessarily Greenard wasn't the pick there. I think he was trying to trade down and still get Greenard because a lot of people had him in that late third, early fourth round range. So I think he probably would have been there if we were to trade down with Detroit at I think their pick was at one 10... oh nine. 109, yeah. Yeah. So uh, nineteen picks, I think he might have still been there. But yeah, uh, I think I think Bill wanted to get might have been for an extra an extra fourth next year or an extra third next year or something because 19 slots is pretty considerable so I think he might have been wanting to get some extra draft capital considering we don't have a first or second round pick next year so might want to get some extra draft capital to maybe move up into the second if we want to but um yeah uh I don't I don't think it's that big of a deal but it was certainly funny to see uh Bill get that mad at get that mad on national tv as we've seen many times he's He's, he's someone who wears his emotions on his sleeve, not exactly a reserved type of guy. So it
0: wasn't a shock. I don't think it was a shock to anyone, but it was certainly interesting to see that. Yeah, he certainly f- fulfilled that South Boston uh, stereotype um, that, he, that he sometimes carries about with him. Um, and we all saw that, I suppose, with the uh, the, the Denver um, Denver game in the yeah. tunnel when he when he lashed out a fan as well. So, I mean, look, I, there's some parts of me that actually like that because you think, well... You know, he's 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 going for it and uh he's, he's he's I don't know if it was you know, I thought it was maybe Bob Quinn that he was giving it to, but it looked like it was it was Jack Easterby possibly. Um so I don't know. But I mean look, I mean it was going to be that pick actually then ended up getting trade to the Raiders at one oh nine who picked John Simpson, who's a guard who I thought was quite a good candidate for us potentially to come in, um to add some depth into the line. Um but he was gone. Uh, another guy that had, like, to first pick of the third round as well, Keem Davis-Gather, I thought potentially was a guy that quite an athletic, off-the-ball linebacker that could have potentially helped us. But I think the, the picks that we got um, at that stage were interesting. The, you know, and there was a lot of guys like uh, Alex Highsmith goes in, in the third round. Uh, DG yeah. Oneum from South Carolina as well. You know, he was mocked from what I saw, like six, seven round pick. He goes in the fourth to the Vikings as well. So the board... At this point, as you get into the fourth, or or the public perception of the board anyway, um, was uh, was all over the place. So then, obviously, you we're thinking we're going to get a quick pick, uh, and then you're not going to have to wait too long. Uh, the 111th, uh, Miami. Then tr- we then trade back to Miami, the pick that we got as part of the of the cl- uh, the the Tunsil um, and Still's trade. So that goes back to them. They take Solomon Kindley from Georgia, who. Kind of, I didn't necessarily see a huge amount linked to us or any kind of thought you might do. Um, so then we dropped back down uh, to get the thirty-six, the hundred thirty-six, and hundred forty-first pick at that point, which I thought actually yeah. that's a reasonable trade. We'll get some depth. It seemed like that quite a positive move. Um, yeah, it was. Sure. Yeah, no, I think because there was there was a lot of guys, and I know I'd seen you mention Logan Stenberg was a guy. That's a huge human being on the line. A real kind of sort of you know hog molly as they as they always talk talk about them and uh, when uh, Dave yeah. Gettleman's involved but yeah like a guy like that I thought was potential and then um, yeah I was know. really difficult. No, so got- yeah I was really yeah he got picked
1: by the Lions in like one nineteen or something so he wasn't even close but yeah I think he I think they they traded back with the with the inclination that he that he probably would have still been there but the Lions liked him I think he would have been the pick if he was there for sure I was pretty disappointed he was gone.
0: Yeah, and then a guy as well who I thought was was kind of ranked higher than the pick we did was is Cameron Clark as well from Charlotte, and it was a bit of a smaller school yeah. um, guy. But then it see, and then also you know I I certainly seen more about Kevin Doxon who went 135th as well from uh, from Lafayette. So yeah, it was interesting to to see that. So then yeah. so then obviously he goes off the board. I think that often then makes teams think right. We better trade up here because it could start a run, and we don't want to be you know left. Left behind, so then, yeah, a lot of their yeah, a lot of their guys at
1: guard were coming off the board. So I think they wanted to get at least someone on the offensive line, which is I think what's prompted the trade up, maybe.
0: Yeah, and they give up two sevenths uh, to 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 the Rams uh, to to get up to hundred and twenty sixth. Um, Charlie Heck, not a guy that I was particularly familiar with. Um, you know, big frame, obviously lineage with his dad being the coach at um, at, the, at the Chiefs um potentially could be a great swing guard um and you know and based on last year's picks of the two linemen we took you've kind of got to put a bit of faith in them because they were criticized exactly. as well so obviously they seem
1: exactly what i was going to say we with with the way they're they scouted offensive linemen last year and Sharping and how both having great rookie seasons with a lot of potential i think a lot of people were mad at the heck pick but you have to give them the benefit of the doubt in my opinion so i'm going to reserve judgment on that pick but it seems it makes sense. It's a really it's a guy who has a, a ideal size for the position. He's six eight three eleven with thirty four inch arms, which is like built in a lab. Left tackle, uh, is what I what I saw. Is like if you were to build a left tackle, you'd want him to be look like Charlie Heck. So I think it was a you got to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I think it'll be interesting to see how he develops, especially considering he won't be expected to start year one. He'll just be brought in and swing tackle. And maybe some jumbo packages. So I think it will be interesting to see how he develops. He might never have a starting position, considering Tunsil and Howard might have that uh have that tackle position locked down for years to come. So uh, it will be interesting to see how he develops for sure. He he needs to improve his 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 feet his feet uh his feet need to be a little quicker. He's agile, but he just his feet look a little slow. So that will be interesting to see how, how that develops. But like you said, we've got to put a little faith in them
0: for sure. Yeah, and two sevenths is kind of hard to get upset about. And they showed what they thought of seven yeah. picks later on. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, and then I, I, if, at that point you think, okay, I wonder what we're going to get next. It seemed like every everybody was high on Amit Robertson. So the fact that he lasted to the 139th pick seemed... Like there was potentially yes. there was potentially higher on him. But then if you look at the two picks before that, slot corner style player, uh, Josiah Scott from Michigan State, who I think a lot of people were high on. then again, a smaller school uh, guy, Lajarius Sneed uh, from Louisiana Tech, went to the Chiefs, yeah. he's a safety slash corner kind of hybrid player. Amit Robertson. And then it looked like, um, and obviously it makes a lot more sense. Now we know that Lincoln O'Brien offered John Reed um, a scholarship at Penn State, but 100, and that's the first actually played he's drafted, I think, from Penn State since he's been in Houston. Uh, Texas bring him an undersized guy, but he ran a quick three cone. Um, so he's obviously got some movement skills, even though he's only 5'9. Uh, but John Reed at 141st, what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I like the pick.
1: I think, like like everyone was saying, Amik Robertson was their guy at 141. They were hoping he was there, and they were just like, okay, where, where's our next ranked slot corner? And they took John Reed, and I, I think they're happy with John Reed, but I think Amik Robertson was their guy. But, yeah, like you said, he's super fast. He's very agile, got some great movement skills. And I think he's going to – I think he's another guy that has a high floor. Like, that's uh, – with the exception of their heck pick, who is not expected to start uh, year one but can definitely um, contribute. The the theme was players that have high floors but also have some potential to grow. So John Reid definitely has a high floor, and I think he he's definitely going to push Vernon Hargreaves for the starting slot cornerback position for sure. He's got he's got some skills and and he he's got some instincts as well. Smart guy, IT programmer of course, and uh, I think Bill O'Brien likes those smart football guys. So he's definitely a guy that has a high floor, and that's that should be able to contribute year one in secondary and on special teams. Of course, he's got some return return ability, which I'm hoping which I think that means the end of time in Houston for DeAndre Carter considering he offers literally nothing to the football team. So I think uh, I think it was a great pick all around considering the return man ability and then you can save, you can save a uh, wide receiver position by cutting Carter and having John Reed uh, be a special teams contributor while also being a guy who can push Vernon Hargreaves for maybe even a starter position. So I liked the pick overall. I have to admit I didn't. My initial reaction was negative, but just because of Meek Robertson uh, was right there, and then I felt like they kind of panicked and picked John Reed because that was their next guy, next guy that they were drafting kind of for need rather than rather than uh, best player available. But overall, it's I liked the pick.
0: Yeah, and then it was the fifth round. seemed, and I definitely just on that. Uh, the Andre Carter point, yeah, I totally agree on that one. I think he should have been gone at the end of the season after the playoff fumble. He already did it. He, he luckily got away with one in the Buffalo game the week before, yeah. and uh, and he, he did it against uh, Atlanta as well earlier in the season. So I think he's yeah. I, I think you're right. I think he's a, he came in a year ago off the street and he was he was okay and he they had a great catch to sort of help us win the game in Tampa, but his only catches are really when he's wide open so you'd like to think if, if things could go our way and potentially gives Kiki QT a chance as well because I think he's going to need help to unearth some of that yeah. ability he's got and that could really help as well, particularly Randall Cobbs, so you don't want the three of those going out because you know O'Brien I couldn't wait to pull the trigger on Kiki when you, once he gets in that doghouse but at the start right. of the fifth you've got Khalid Karim going, which, again, was a guy from Notre Dame. He was getting ranked higher in some circles. Alton Robinson as well from Syracuse. So you think we're not good. Probably, probably weren't going to go, um, you know, defensive end or edge. But then guys like Jason Stowbridge, Travis Gibson from Tulsa, a lot of teams were high as well, all start coming off the board. But but actually what was really surprising was guys like Bryce Hall falls all the way to hundred fifty eighth, And then also Curtis Weaver uh, was, you know, i seen him ranked in first round mocks all the way to 164.
1: Yeah, I think with guys like Weaver and Bradley and I, I think there hasn't been a, a huge success in teams drafting defensive ends like Weaver and I when them when they are running that when they run that slow. I think they both ran in in the four, nine, four, 8 range, and if you look at the story, historic historical context of that, there's haven't been a huge successful track record of of guys who run of guys who weigh Weigh what they weigh and run that slow. So I think think that's why they um, why they fell. And I think all, a lot of people are calling them steals, but I think I don't I don't necessarily see them as such, considering the historical track record that that um, that players with their with similar traits as them have have done in the NFL the way they the way they perform. So yeah, it, it's yeah for sure.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if, if if teams have passed them over at least four times over by now, you got to think yeah. it's not really a steal now. I mean, I did like Brad and I. I liked his tape and I thought he was quite, you know, quite a good attitude uh, on the field. Um, but yeah, I mean, at that point, I think... I think then, I think there's an effect as well. Like, they we're talking about the group think effect not being there with scouts because these guys spend all their time on the road. The only, only people they see is other scouts and they start to build yeah. a consensus. I think similar, it's the similar effect when teams start letting them slip, that team, what well, we thought we'd take, I mean, they've now let them drop three times. I think that has a knock-on effect and it starts to scare teams.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's just like, what, it's just kind of the thought, like, what do all these other teams know that we don't know if, if someone was high on an eye? Like, maybe a few teams had them in the, had an eye or we revert a draftable grade in the third round. They're, they're kind of scared, like, why aren't they gone yet? So, um, yeah I think for sure that's that's a uh, that's definitely a factor in their
0: in their in their fall yeah and then it seemed like the Texans might go wide receiver because it kind of felt like it was a sweet spot for them uh, and for many yeah. teams in the first round now the Eagles take Tower, which I know is a guy you mentioned um, yeah Quintus Cephas from Wisconsin as well both guys it seemed like they had decent tape and Were kind of rumored to be, you know, in another year their third round picks. Now I think Isaiah Coulter is in that, but obviously he's a small school guy. But from Mm -hmm. all the all the noise that the Texans and um, O'Brien's press conference, he's kind of said that we did a lot of work on these guys. um, You know, and Tim Kelly was high on him.
1: Yeah, I I I like the Coulter pick uh, for sure. He's he's a guy uh, that he he's pretty versatile. He can be a possession receiver where. He can go up and get your fifty-fifty balls. He can go up and move the chains if he needs to, but he can also take a top off the defense. He's he ran a 4-4-9, which he he plays faster than that. But he is super fast, super fluid in his routes, and I think he has a lot of potential. He's been comped to Robert Woods, like kind of like a tall, lanky, but really fast receiver, which I like that comp I like that comp. And if he's anything close to Robert Woods, we have a really we we got a really solid receiver. And uh it was it was pretty encouraging to see the only Power Five school he played last season was Virginia Tech, and in that game he had nine catches for 152 yards. So that was uh, that was nice to see that he wasn't just beating up on small opponents; that he actually showed up against a against a uh, against a Power Five opponent. So he he's a guy that has a lot of potential. He's not going to be expected to contribute too much year one, so we can so we can develop. And I think he year two we should look for him to take a step up and really contribute. Um, and my uh, fill the role that Kenny Stills might leave when his contract expires after the season. So I think I think he can be a guy that can contribute in specialty situations. But he's gonna be he's gonna be a guy that can be a complete receiver in the future. And I think they're gonna be looking for him to replace Kenny Stills uh, uh, after his contract expires. Because I can't see them really re-signing him with having to pay Fuller and having hooks and then. Having Coulter if he develops right, that might be able to fulfill the role that Kenny Stills would leave. So,
0: yeah, that's right. I think that's the way you know, and it's quite encouraging in that sense that you know there's been a lot of drafts recently that you know, or in in the last few years where you know, you know, a need is either is pressing or you're going to have a need in a year or two years time because you kind of already know that you're probably not going to pay Stills uh, as well as Fuller because you know, providing Fuller can show a clean bill of health this year, which would just be, you yeah. know, transformational for the offense if he could. Um but yeah, it's interesting. I mean what stuck out with Cooler is his hands I think just look, you know, really strong. Um you know, is is uh as obvious as that would sound, but it looked like he can really, you know, he can, some of his, his catches were, you know, really good away from the body, um, you know, extended arm catches. So if he can do that, obviously you'll need to add a bit of playing strength so he doesn't get jammed at the line of scrimmage because he does look up quite a slight figure, even though his weight doesn't, uh, necessarily, um, look look off the, but he does look quite a slender, kind of build guy. But if he can, if he can progress and uh, you know even just a role player next year, then that's you know that's a big could be a, a, big pickup for the offense. So yeah, I guess yeah. as you said, it's all projections right now. But it seems like could be a good pick.
1: Yeah, if he can add probably like five, I wouldn't want him to add too much weight uh, at expense of a speed. But if he can add about five pounds, that would be beneficial for him. I don't think it would affect his speed too much. But yeah, you're right. He'll be someone you can bring in and. Uh, that can fill in in certain spots this season and hopefully develop in practice, learn from, learn from Kenny Stills and of course Andre Johnson, the assistant wide receiver coach, and I think he's a guy we can look forward to replace Stills and his role in the offense, whatever it may be next year. So yeah, I really like the pick. It's gonna be, I think he's gonna be a solid receiver.
0: And then all the uh, concerns about being a, a veteran year and probably rightly so um but we'll see but it, it seemed that, that way it's going to be a, a veteran year and it's going to be hard to integrate rookies at any point because the o'brien and again it's probably quite a good move takes a six-round pick for the seventh from the saints they take tommy stevens from mississippi state um there was a couple of guys on there that are, the names that i had seen jonathan garvin again another edge player where would he fit but you know is it, is it worth a selection at that point uh brian cole safety uh, mississippi state yeah. There was another name that I was familiar with and uh, Derek Tezuka from I know um, John Wade on uh, on Texas Filler podcast was a, a big advocate of him uh, in North Dakota State
1: yeah and I think it was clear that O'Brien didn't want didn't want to pick in the seventh round he he knew uh, all those seventh rounders would seventh rounders are completely picked on potential, Usually anyway, unless someone falls, obviously there's some steals, but like, and with guys, with guys with that much potential, they need to be groomed. And the fact that they didn't have a rookie camp, they didn't have any, they're not going to have any OTAs. I think O'Brien was like, okay, let me see, let me see if I can get some more value out of these seventh round picks, which he did. He traded up for heck. And then he, and then he traded up, uh, for a, traded his last one for a seven for six next year, excuse me, which Next year, God willing, we have a normal off season, and that sixth might be used on a guy they they can develop. So I think it was pretty smart that he just traded all those away and and uh, had a small draft class that they can focus on. And like I said, a lot of high floor guys. So I think it was pretty smart that he that he got got some value for them.
0: Yeah, I think for, at that point you think, well, okay, it's been it was quite a quieter day three than probably anticipated. So. Um, you know, you kind of walk away at the time. And then I think what's always probably almost, I think one of my favourite bits about the draft is actually the undrafted free agent process. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's always gone back to Arian Foster and that he was, you know, the, the shining light of this franchise in terms of players have picked up. There's guys like Dylan Cole and things like that that we've we've found. And, you know, if you can find even a Dylan Cole level contribution in the undrafted, I think that's a success. I think, is there any of those guys um, that, uh, that you've you've picked up on that you think might be potential finds there? Uh,
1: I haven't. uh, It's going to be really hard for any of them to make the roster. I think we have a few players that can make the practice squad. I think, Uh, Scotty Phillips, the running back from Ole Miss has a chance to make the practice squad and push, push, uh, Caron Higdon for the running back four spot. He's probably has the best chance to make the roster, Scotty Phillips. And then, uh, Tyler Simmons, that wide receiver from Georgia has a lot of potential. I think he will make the practice squad. I know Lance Zierlein was pretty high on him, so he's got a lot of potential, but I, I can't see any of them making the roster, especially in this, off season, this shortened off season. Unless they really come in and training camp and impress, I really can't see them make any of them making the roster. But there's a few guys that um, that can make the practice squad. I believe it'll be interesting to see if that quarterback from Chattanooga, Nick Tiano, um, can push Alex Magoo for the uh, practice squad QB spot. So I think those are a few guys that will make the practice squad. The rest kind of just camp camp spots. So um, like I said, like. A lot of people have uh, hinted at uh, this year for undrafted free agents was really rough considering the draft process was shortened. And a lot of those guys, they get on teams' radars with private workouts and pro days and stuff, and all that stuff wasn't available to them. So obviously it's a pretty small undrafted free agent class, and a lot of them probably don't have a realistic chance to make the 53-man roster considering the 53-man is already pretty crowded. I tweeted out yesterday yesterday or the day before I believe was that the 50 man uh, the roster that probably about 60 players that can realistically uh-huh. make it you're going to have to cut seven guys already and those undrafted free agents I don't think are going to come in and and take a spot from a guy that that realistically has a roster spot considering O'Brien has so much emphasis on keeping his guys so uh there's a few guys that I think can make the practice squad, but no one really that can break out and make the roster.
0: I don't think. Yeah, it would have to be somebody that comes in and just you know shocks them in terms of their apt- yeah. aptitude, and then yeah. we'll have to put on a show in preseason. Uh, you know, and even then, there's guys that put on shows in preseason and don't turn it to go all right. I think the guy. Uh, uh big z as he was as he was being called the other day uh the guy from i think it's western texas i think it's alufolia um you pronounce it defensive tackle you know you think like guys like that is there a room for somebody else and then potentially somebody like blackston who's probably not lived up to that contract that they gave him i think we're still kind of scratching our heads at that i remember i was walking walk, walking through the airport and checked my phone and he was the first uh, contract i think we signed it for the free agents, the agency of the period, that one. So that was quite strange. And then the guard, uh, again, I'll probably mispronounce this, but Cordero um, Wagu, I think, or Wagaloo, um, um, he, from TCU, uh, he um, he looks like, on some of the clips that I've watched, I'll just kinda, I was just kind of YouTube these guys and see what's out there, just see if you can pick up anything. But I think he played left guard for them, but he looked nasty at the point of attacking them. I mean, you do see yeah. that, a lot of guys just ear hole in linebackers and safeties and whatnot but again you know if he if he can even be just a depth player um yeah. that's that's free money at that point so um yeah. Yeah.
1: I think those those guys those two guys you just mentioned they might be a, they might be a couple guys you try to you you see some some promise and potential from them in training camp and you might try to stash them and sign them to stash them on the practice squad or maybe stash them on IR and try try to sign them to Future contracts, uh, next January, but uh, yeah. So there might be a few guys that can make the price squad, and a few guys they try to stash so they can have a extended look at them next year in OTAs.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think they might get the mysterious injury, uh, and they'll uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they'll get and they'll get put on IR for the year, and then I think yeah, I think that's often often what happens. I think so. Yeah, I think I mean yeah, I, the the roster as it, as it looks now, I think based on we're kind of you know, maybe two-thirds to three, you know, three, maybe three-quarters of the way through the kind of roster-building process. There's always guys that, that crop up, uh, that'll get released from teams. Obviously, we released to Sean Gibson. We sort of touched on that earlier. I was kind of... I He didn't play well last year, right? We'll all be honest with that. He was injured a lot of it. Um, yeah. Didn't play in the playoffs. That seemed, at the time, it hurt us. Obviously, we signed... Um, you know Jalen Watkins and Eric Murray and guys like that. But I don't really necessarily think. I mean, both, I mean, look if you look at the Eric Murray Murray contract, they obviously view him as a starter. Maybe he's got a bit more mobility than than uh, we think about. I actually, watched the game when he was at Kansas City and he picked off Case Keenum in that game. I was watching that the other night. He just came on. I think after the draft was on uh, on on uh, ESPN and um. And he actually looked okay. So you just never know. They've obviously seen something they like of him. Maybe he's got enough range and mobility that they're going to let him do a bit of single high and it'll let you know, Reid come at the box. I don't know. But we could do with another body in there. So obviously there's there's talk with two free agents before we wrap up because we're going to like get some get some more free agency stuff coming out. Probably is, is now that teams aren't affected by the compensatory formula. Um, do you think they'll go uh, Eric Reid uh, potential? I mean, he's a big... he's a He's a big safety slash linebacker, but again, there's a role for that kind of player. And uh, Everson Griffin's the other one that we've been kind of linked to.
1: Yeah, Eric Reed for sure. I think they're interested in uh, that chemistry with Eric, Eric and Justin Reed. Obviously, that can that could help the defense a lot. But uh, I think Everson Griffin is more likely, considering right now you have like Carlos Watkins and Al- Angelo Blackson, as you mentioned. Both those guys are expendable. There's really if if they have a chance to sign Everson Griffin on a one-year deal and and help Blacklock and Omini who develop, with at the expense of Watkins or Blackson or both, I I think they do it. I mean, no one's gonna lose sleep over uh, over uh, Blackson and Watkins getting cut. They haven't really shown much promise or much production, so I think Everson Griffin Everson Griffin is the more likely one. Eric uh, Eric Reed really really is a box safety he can't really play much single high so i really think they're gonna give eric murray a chance to start there and justin reed start starting the box if they were to bring in eric reed i think it would be as more of a a box safety that's that they could pair with justin and maybe be justin's backup but i don't know how much he'd like that but i don't know justin reed justin reed has more potential to start single high and help in coverage than eric Reed does so it 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 could be a potential signing they make if the price is right, but uh, he was pretty awful in coverage, Eric Reed. That is uh, last season, so I, I'm not sure if they want to, if they really, really, truly want to bring him in. I think they might only be entertaining the idea because Justin Reed brought him up, but yeah, I think Everson Griffin would be a really, really quality signing if if you you can put him you can start him for sure cuz he's still he still got it for sure you can start him next to Watt or on the opposite end of Watt and have a who and Blacklock uh rotating in and maybe have Blacklock rotate in and and Dunn in the interior and move Blacklock all over as I alluded to earlier and that would be a really solid offensive line of having Watt black Blacklock Dunn Griffin and Jernigan. those six guys like that's as solid as it gets the defensive line so if they were to sign Everson Griffin it would be a really solid signing
0: yeah I think so he's still got a lot left in the tank I think Carlos Watkins is a player that he kind of frustrates me because there's sometimes he flashes and you think there must be a player there but he just does it nowhere near consistently enough Um, and he had decent production in college and he's just never managed to quite piece his game together and look he's not on the field that much Um, you know he's one of these guys that play probably sub 40% of the snaps but he um yeah, I mean he's this is his last year, isn't it? I think in his contract. So he'll probably be gone after this. So um yeah, I think, you know, would it be would you would you want to wait and see if you get another unit development out of him because I'm pretty certain it was last year that you know there was there was talk of, yeah, you know, the coaching staff expect him to take a big jump. He certainly didn't. Um so, yeah. you know, and you think it's gonna be interesting. But I think obviously as well we've got the we've got the um They've got the consideration now. We've got two Johnsons in the backfield. We've got two Reeds uh, in defensive back, and then we've also got Blackston and Blacklock. So I think when we when we watch commentators get Hopkins uh, to Watson and get them confused all the time, which he saw quite regularly, um, I think there's going to be some uh, issues there. I don't know quite how they'll get the the names on the jerseys either, particularly with the two Johnsons we've both been Duke and Duke and David. So I'll have to get the extra extra letter in there in the first name. So. but um yeah, I said I think it's been good. I think is there any other free agents you think out there that might potentially Texas be interested in or you think we've kind of covered it? I saw James uh from
1: uh I am Youngari Gold from uh Texas Unfiltered mention Eric Berry might be an option. He hasn't played football in a couple of years, but if he's interested in coming back and see what he's got, I mean that would be a solid sign. He he played a lot of single life from Kansas City. Uh but yeah, like uh like he said, like I said, it's just like if any if, if you have the chance to sign Everson Griffin and the price is right, you do not keep Watkins and Blackson on the roster if that's the price if that's the price of it. i mean, Everson Griffin is light years ahead of them in talent and skill. So and and another point, uh you mentioned with the with the names, uh Watson. I I was I was watching the Bucks uh the Bucks Texans game last season. Oh the Tyson, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Sure. That was, that was probably one of the worst displays of commentary I've ever seen in my life or ever heard in my life. He was mixing up Watson and Winston every single play. Like he like there was a time where he would he literally said he goes, Oh, Watson is picked off when Winston when James Winston just got picked off and there was times where Watson dropped back three times in a row and he called him Winston three times in a row. I was just like, This is brutal to watch.
0: And I think and, he um I, I don't know this for certain, but when I saw that he'd be demoted to uh, present the draft-a-thon rather than the actual draft coverage, yeah, um, I don't <laughs> know if that was a result of that because uh, he did the call in the game in London as well. And I didn't think that was particularly good, uh, but there's other guys uh, had done it as well. Though if you watch if you watch back the uh, Colts 2018 game, uh, he kept the commentator kept saying Watkins, regardless of who caught if Hopkins caught the ball or Watson threw it, he kept saying Watkins. So. Um, <laughs> I mean it's not an easy gig so it's easy for us to sit and criticise right but uh, but yeah I think it'll be interesting to see how many times that causes it to be
1: bare minimum, though. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> that's right yeah no that's right I think and um, yeah I think it's been a good draft overall I think we can't complain too much it's just um, obviously shorter picks but yeah I think you know we've moved out of some so I think overall we've got to be happy and um, with the hole we've got and you know probably would have liked to see maybe a guard in there maybe a safety yeah. Uh and maybe a linebacker as well I thought that was one thing we didn't take was was a linebacker just with obviously if you're going to pay Cunningham which I think's the right move because you can't I don't think I'm uh, quite a firm believer yeah. in you can't have two double digit uh million dollar players in an inside linebacker i surprised they didn't try and pick one up
1: yeah and I'm, I'm I think they're counting on Dylan Cole to stay healthy next year I think they have reason to believe that Dylan Cole will stay healthy. I mean, he's our best com- coverage linebacker. So, if you got Cunningham, McKinney, and Dylan Cole there, along with uh, maybe Tyrell Adams and Peter by offering you minimal snaps on defense. But I think linebacker is in a decent position. It's certainly not a major hole. I don't think.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's probably one of the more set positions of the team. I think that. Yeah. And- that yeah. and uh, you know, and a couple of other spots, but yeah, I think it's yeah. It's, I think yeah, we've got to be positive at this stage. I think the the roster's got better as you take a step forward, but I would like to see a couple of pieces in there to try and um, sure. to try to try and get it to try and kind of fortify a couple more spots because we saw last we saw last year, um, you know, the injuries and whatnot. So just one more thing, I was just <laughs> I was breaking down the roster and like going
1: position by position when I was seeing like who might get cut and what the roster's at right now and and O'Brien has built a pretty complete roster in my opinion. I think he's got he's got a lot of depth around a lot of positions. Safeties one of the only question marks right now where we don't have a we don't have a set starter there that can actually contribute. So it's it's a really complete roster and with the offense being completely new look and completely it's pretty exciting. So I think I think Bill O'Brien did a lot of a lot of good things to make up for the Hopkins trade.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think you just it's kind of at the stage now. We've got to move on, and uh, and I think that will shadow his, his time here, and it will shadow anybody that's associated with this team until you either find some success or you or we you know or something you know changes. Whether that's a change in leadership, front office, coaching staff, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I think I said I think it's helped people do that uh, turn the page. because I think when everybody's stuck in their house and you can't get out and. You know, there's not much, there's not much going on in the world. I think that made that whole thing yeah, yeah. for everybody ten times worse than it ever needed to be. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think the, the the offense, I think, is going to be the key. as it always is, and it starts and ends with Deshaun. But if this new mold of the offense under Tim Kelly can can be something, I think, and this defense has taken a step forward with these two guys particularly. Mm-hmm. Then we'll be all right. We'll see where we go, and there's more teams yeah. in the playoffs this year as well. So you've always got a chance, right? And if and if Fuller,
1: Cooks, and Stills can all stay healthy, I know Stills is not really an injury concern, but Fuller and Cooks mainly, if they can all stay healthy, and you have Cobb, and hopefully QT makes makes the roster, and Cobb and QT in the slot, like that's with with our with our um, tight ends being pretty reliable, and Fells and Aikens, and who knows what Waring and what will happen with Warren and Jordan Thomas I think it's that's a pretty hard offense to stop and I didn't even mention our pass rushing uh pass catching running backs so like that offense is pretty dynamic and if if you want to take away one thing you're gonna give you're gonna give up another so like you take away Fuller and Cooks and they're top in speed uh Cobb and Fell's are are just gonna kill you underneath so it's it's gonna be a really dynamic offense which I don't think we have we have had in years past where we just like okay we just got to give to Hopkins and hope to move the chains. Uh, but right now we have a lot of big playability with a lot of, like I said, just if they're going to take away one thing, you're going to give us another. It's pre- it's going to be pretty hard to stop if every- if everyone's healthy and if Watson keeps developing.
0: So I'm really excited about the way the offense is going. Yeah, and that's it. You think if, if the offense could be more consistent and move the ball and give us a chance to win and the defense just gets somewhere, but I think we were 26 DV away, if we can just get to 20 to 15 in that range yeah you got a chance at that point um, but yeah no it's been good um, Dylan been great talking to me, man really enjoyed it um, we'll definitely need to get you again back on sometime uh, in the season or, or, or if we have a season that is so we'll, we'll wait and see uh, Every day's a new day at the minute in terms of all this kind of stuff but um, thanks very yeah. much for your time uh, do you want to give a, a plug out to where guys can follow you uh, and some of the great work you're putting out
1: yeah, if you want to give me a follow at uh, H-O-U Texans Draft, all, all one word, so Hugh Texans Draft. And uh, thanks for having me on, man. I'm uh, happy to come on anytime. So appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk to some Texans.
0: Yeah, exactly, mate. Thanks very much for your time, uh, yeah. and we'll we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, man. All right, thank you.